Abba Yahweh. Thank you for this day, your day. Set aside, established to fellowship and worship. Come to your house, Father God. Thank you for this day, your grace that you've bestowed on me and the breath that you have put in me, Father God, mercifully allow me to continue to hold and draw this breath, to share your word, to be your conduit of truth and treasure, knowledge, wisdom. Thank you, Father God, that you have bestowed these things and allow me to take from your treasure in this your instruction manual, your book, your word, Father God, that you breathed into the hearts of the men and women that wrote these pages. Father God, you are the author and the finisher. Thank you for letting me be a part of this thing, Father God, for being about your business. Thank you, Father God, for drawing me into this place that I am and all that I go through, Father God, that you are with me in all things. I pray for the courage of my brothers and sisters, Father, and the uprightness, strength. Father God, these days are around us and coming, but not of doom and gloom, as so many say, Father, but, oh, Father God, even so come, Lord Jesus, even so come. They that have an ear, let them hear and open their eyes, remove the scales so that they can see the majesty all around us, Father God. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. Brothers and sisters, all around us in this world, the majesty of Lord God cries out. The word tells us that it is there and cries out. And when you come and he asks and you respond, I didn't know. And he tells you that that's no excuse because everything around you, everything around you cries out his majesty, his beauty, his strength, the artistry, things that I see around and look around. And I didn't used to be this way, brothers and sisters. I just walked and I went to, I was, I was about as SpongeBob Christian as you can get. Carrying the Bible, I thought that made it. Going to church once a week, thought that made it. Every once in a while, special occasion, thought that made it. I was raised in a church. And I was saved, but I wasn't walking with God. And it is entirely possible to be that way. The scripture says so. If you think that I might be telling you something made up, look it up. Get in the word. Seek his truth. I've already shared with you, brothers and sisters. Try my spirit. For my spirit is that of truth. My spirit is that of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And I will not tell you things that are not so. I, my brothers and sisters, as I declare through the Holy Spirit, my Lord God Almighty, am not a false prophet and seeking anything of vanity or for myself or vaunting myself because of this. (laughs) If I say things that seemingly more inclusive of myself 
I'm just telling you the truth. I speak truth. I speak from the Holy Spirit and the word of God. If it were not so, he would not permit me to do these things. And as I've shared with you before too, seek offense, you'll find it. Seek the truth, you'll find it. Knock on the door and it shall be opened unto you. The word of God tells us all of these things. Paul wrote, study to show thyself approved. You have to be in the word to study it. Brothers and sisters, I, I share certain things with you because the days are and there are those that choose not to see what the truth and what really is going on around because the seeds of weeds have been planted in their minds and in their hearts and they've allowed those weeds to grow and to interfere with their spiritual vision and perception. They no longer can see truth and clearly because the weeds become so tall and so thick. Brothers and sisters, I tell you constantly, the enemy will throw these seeds to grow, weeds of deception, perception interference, to take our focus away from the Lord God Almighty. And that the Lord Jesus Christ came for us all. He came for me and whomsoever will believe on him. That's why he came. But when the minions of Satan come and they throw those seeds of weeds and they're allowed to grow the way they have, visual perception is decreased. And then the next thing that happens is that spiritual hearing is stopped up. Then they don't want to hear things. And then they start saying things like doom and gloom and oh, the darkness. And I don't want to hear about that. I just want to hear about the good things. Jesus Christ talked about it. Luke chapter 10. And it shall be as it was in the days of Noah before the coming of the Son of Man. Marrying, building, going on about life, and not watching. Not watching and being mindful. And he tells us in the word that we have to be watchful. We must be watchful. We must remember what the word says. What he has told us. He being the only begotten Son of God, Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made, Adonai, sovereign God. And so many choose to forget. Yesterday, brothers and sisters, was September 11th. And so many people cry out, 9-11, remember 9-11. And there are many that don't even get what that means. 9-11, when they see a t-shirt or something of that nature, they don't understand it and question. The fact that there was this despicable thing that happened in our own country and killed literally thousands, thousands of people. 
The Twin Towers, September 11th. There's another thing that many people forget or don't even realize took place. This was a clandestine operation that was sanctioned and ordered by a certain administration, a sad administration, I must say, but authorized and sanctioned and then, and then turned away and denied that it was authorized. But the men that went to a place called Benghazi, (coughs) that also happened on September 11th. And there's many people that cry out, remember the Alamo, you know, about they get certain attitudes and And then you have those that will say things like, lest we forget, speaking of 9-11, and and sad but true that there are many that have absolutely, completely forgotten. As a veteran, an American, and a patriot, not only just an American, I'm a Native American, My people were originally in this country when the missionaries first came, the Europeans first came. I shared with you that I had to educate a young man about the very real possibility of true African, native African blood that flows through my veins. And yet because of the tonation of my skin, I've been called a whitey and a white boy. (laughs) But you know what? That young man and I we are close because of my sharing truth with him. And I, the enemy immediately wanted me to be angry. I didn't want to be angry. I just was truthful with him. And we have a a bond now. When we say things like, lest we forget or remember this or remember that, we also have to remember that we cannot hold on to things from the past that bind us and will hold us and anchor us down because that is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. To hold on to the past. Remember the things in the past, not as good by looking back and seeing all the times that God carried us, like the lithograph, the footprints in the sand. That's when I was carrying you, my child. One question about why he was left alone. Not left alone. You weren't left alone. That's when I carried you. When things got the worst, that's when I had you in my arms and was carrying you. That's why we never hunker down in the midst of a storm and whine and cry about the storm. Because once you hunker down and you sit there in the middle of it and you look around, the storm continues all around you. You've forgotten who's, who's with you. Hold on to the righteous, strong right hand of the Lord God Almighty. And you walk through, you continue walking and you just praise him, you pray for and continually. And before you knew it, all of a sudden you look around and you hear the bluebirds of happiness singing and twitting and all these things going on in the sunshine around. And then you turn around and look and you see the storm is behind you. So why stop in the midst of the storm and whine and cry about what's going on? Stay with the Lord. Focus on God. This is why we don't want to get bound up in all the things bound by the things of the past. 
Looking back is not a bad thing. God says in the word, it's not a bad thing. As long as we're not bound by those things that happened in the past, hold on to those things in the past and throw them up and use them as a tool of enmity, that's when it's bad. But when you look back to remember and learn and realize that God was with us, he is with us and will be with us as he promised in his word. As Joshua told the elders to remind their tribes when they were crossing the Jordan to look back and remember all the times that God was with you. Don't look back and regret. Don't look back and remorse. Don't look back and say, oh, well, I should have, I could have, and I would have. Don't look at the past that way, brothers and sisters, because that's when regret steps in, and that is when the seeds start to germinate and root and grow. That is some of the seeds, the weeds that the enemy plants in the mind. Don't look at it that way, brothers and sisters, because that then opens the door to regret, remorse, and then in some cases, to anger, resentment, got to let it go. Look back only on the blessings that were given and bestowed and continue to be bestowed by Lord God Almighty. I am so glad that he has invited me to this closer walk. And it's not an easy walk. And I'm so glad that God does not expect perfection in us because here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we are not, I am not, but one thing I am is forgiven. I was one way and now I'm not. Now I'm different. <clears throat> and as I've shared with you before, that I've had how I was thrown up at me because individual and prayerfully not now, but I don't know because there's that separation, that void that continues to be because of what was. How, how can people live that way? That's what I don't understand. That's staying, in, that's staying in the midst of the storm. So when we remember things, we look and remember for the good. Don't look for the evil or the offense. If you seek that, you'll find it. Trust me in this, brother and sister. You seek offense, you will surely find offense. And remembering, remembering things. I was looking through the Word and was reading through Matthew and Luke. Now, remember that, you have to remember that Matthew was an educated young man when Jesus called him to follow. And he gave up so much that he had. I mean, he was, for that time and in their culture, he was considered to be wealthy. He had a house. He earned income from the Roman Empire who was ruling over the region at the time. They were paying him. They were paying him quite well. But he was 
hated of so many because he was a tax collector. And how many of you like the IRS? Here's a... <laughs> oh, I won't get into that. That's a... <laughs> that leads to something else. But how many of you like your IRS? They have authority to take everything that you have, close you down, take your business, seize your accounts, and they have that authority, sadly. So, I don't know, maybe some of you get along with them. And that's okay, but Matthew was hated. Hated for a number of reasons, not just because he was a tax collector and had to take taxes, collect taxes from the very people that he was a part of the nation, is part of their their system. But he worked for the Romans, who they hated. And he was called. And then you have Luke, who was a physician who followed Jesus Christ. So I looked through their books because they are tend to be a little bit more descriptive, a little bit more precise on things that were shared and said. They were also the most uh, scholarly educated, I think, of the 12, although there were those that wrote that were very, uh, very well written. But these two are precise, and, and Luke, being a physician, tended to be very accurate in what he wrote down about what he saw. Now remember, too, that perceptions are all different depending on what your perspective is. Your perception might be where you were sitting, your angle was a little different, or maybe you were engaged in a conversation and you heard only part of something, and you still wrote it down and shared it. But I share this about remembrance. And quite honestly, I can't find anywhere. I, I'm going to look again because I've looked through several books, but I find the wording at a loss here. But Luke's, this is the Last Supper. The Last Supper that Jesus had and this plane of existence with his disciples. <clears throat> and when he was preparing to do so, Jesus Christ, this is in Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> they were coming into Jerusalem and the feast of the pa uh, the preparation for the Passover, <coughs> pardon me, was coming and <laughs> pardon me, <coughs> pardon me. <clears throat> Enemies coming in here trying to disrupt my sharing with you, and it was coming time, and Jesus wanted to be able to share that with his disciples, so. He sent Peter and John telling them to go and prepare his Passover that we may eat. And 
they said unto him, where are we going to prepare? And then he told them, starting verse 10, and he said unto them, behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the great guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large upper room, furnished there, make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup, thou for supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Brothers and sisters, in reading the several here, I think there's been some some misinterpretations, and that's okay. That doesn't matter. It's a matter of perspective and perception. But when we get in heaven, and as as Jesus told them, do in remembrance of me. And when we get to heaven, he's going to sit with us because Brothers and sisters, when we get there, there is going to be such a feast. It's going to be a huge, absolutely huge feast. And we've all been given invitation. God has sent us invitation. He sent us the invitation in his only begotten son to that feast, that day when we will sit and dine with the Lord Jesus Christ and our loved ones, brothers and sisters. Belief in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, faith in God, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This invitation has been sent. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus and faith in God. It's going to be magnificent. But there are so many, there are so many, and even those that claim to be Christian that have forgotten this thing. They forget, lest we forget. Remember Benghazi. Remember the Alamo. Remember 9-11. So many of these things that go on in the world of mammon, people shout, out, remember, remember, remember. But whenever it comes to the Lord God Almighty or Jesus Christ, people want to forget, forget, forget. And when it comes seasonal time, then you have churches that make a big deal about 
the crucifixion, remember the resurrection, remember the birth of Christ, and my goodness gracious. And then it becomes so commercialized. And then, of course, in the world of mammon, you have cities that used to, (laughs) where I was working before, I used to see all these things. You used to see Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas. You see these things painted in the windows. And there were actually some communities that declared that that couldn't be done because it was offensive to people. So you couldn't put that in your store window. And the city would change all their signage. Oh, everyone come to the Xmas parade. Or everyone come to the holiday parade. They didn't want to say Christmas for fear of being offensive to someone. Well, la-di-da-da. <laughs> Sorry, brothers and sisters, but I have no patience with that, and I have, to, I have to declare that unto my Lord God, and he's working on me with that. But brothers and sisters, really? So you X Christ out, you X God out of everything, and the nation turns its back on God, and then they say, why is God allowing this to happen? Excuse me? Or, or why has God made this happen? It isn't that God has made it happen. It's that he's allowing it to happen because uh, it is a way, a tool of teaching. Certain things are allowed to happen. God doesn't make all the negative things go on. That is choice that mammon have made and to decide to allow the seeds of the weeds, the minions of he who wants the agenda close and his agenda is to separate, divide, hatred, accusations, all these things that cause any separation from one another and from God. God has designed us to be a gathering people. Remember that, brothers and sisters, lest we forget that. Take a look in the book of Hebrews. We are a gathering people. We are meant to be together. We're meant to gather. What is this thing that is being pushed on everyone about? It's about fearfully driving people for the element of controlling, separating. Brothers and sisters, I have witnessed so many things go on behind this thing that is perpetrated to people. And yes, there are those that are going to get offended by what I share. But let me tell you this again. I share out of knowledge and research and study and certain things that I was at one time militarily wise. I went to certain schools. So what I share is not just something I'm making up. Yes, I share perpetrated on the people. And what is it doing? It's separating derisiveness. I have seen people fight over the fact that somebody was or wasn't doing what they're supposed to be doing as told by the government. But the person that made the attack didn't pay attention to what was actually said and they just 
took it upon themselves. So when you become fearful, brothers and sisters, that's when you become reactive. And those reactions are not scriptural. They're not biblical. And they're contrary to spiritual biblical teaching. When you become fearful, it causes you to act and react a way that is contrary. God does not mind that we are afraid and he knows that we will be. But what we have to keep in mind is that when we're afraid, where do you go? You go to the Father. You go to the Father. Abba, I'm, I have fear. You know I have fear. You, you know it's in my heart. I pray, Father, that you're, you're with me and sometimes I don't feel you. But I know that you're here because you promise that you'll always be with me. You're no farther away than the sound of my voice. And the farthest you ever go away is the distance from my knees to the floor, Father. And I know that sometimes I need to be on my knees and pray to you. That's all God desires and he knows that we're afraid. And when we have that fear, go to the Father. He loves our prayers. He told in the vision that Jesus Christ gave to John when he was isolated on the island of Patmos, he gave him the vision. And in that vision, the angel spoke to him and held up a golden vial. The golden vials are the prayers of the saints. Brothers and sisters, the word saint is never singular in the Bible. It's always plural. And the saints are those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have faith in God and pray to God. God saves our prayers because they're like a sweet savor to his nose. He loves them. They're like an incense is what that means. They're like a sweet incense to God and he loves our prayers. He loves it when his children talk to him. Stay in prayer, brothers and sisters. Stay upright, strong, courageous, bold, in your faith in God and belief in Jesus Christ. Don't be arrogant. Don't ever come to God in arrogance. Humble yourselves before God when you pray. Be humble. I've shared with you, brothers and sisters, that there's a Latin phrase, humilitus oxidit superbium. Humility kills pride. Do not be prideful and arrogant before God. Don't be prideful and arrogant before God. Be humble to God. You can be bold and be humble. Some say, well, isn't that a contradiction in terms? No, it's not. You can be humble and bold. Don't be afraid to come before God. Be bold with your prayers but in, don't be arrogant. Don't come in and start being demanding of God. You expect certain things because God has promised them and God doesn't mind us reminding him of that, but don't be arrogant in it. Be confident. There's a difference. A lot of people can consider confidence and arrogance to be synonymous. They're not synonymous. You can be bold and confident and stand upright and courageous, and not be arrogant, but when you flaunt that around and you treat other people around you differently and less than, that's arrogance. 
the Pharisees, <laughs> they showed so often their arrogance. Uh, they were arrogant, and they didn't mind making a public display of it, wearing their robes and trappings and everything, so when they moved through the marketplace and through the town that people would bow down and, and step back and open up a path for them. And oh my gosh, I can just imagine... Sometimes I see on the face of, of elected officials, when I see this, I just flash this picture of what they were, would be like as they were dressed like a Pharisee. The, this You can see the arrogance is just like great big giant tattoo across her forehead. Arrogant. And they don't want to hear anything from anybody because they know better. And they tell people things like that. They remind people that they know more. There are some people that do and some people that are meant to share things and some people that do have uh, more knowledge or wisdom because they've taken the knowledge that they have and collectively put it together to become wise in certain areas. There's nothing wrong with that. And there are individuals that are that way. It doesn't make them arrogant just make some confidence when they bring things out. And quite truthfully, I'm that way. There are certain things that I know that others don't. And brothers and sisters, let's not, here's another thing that is not synonymous. Ignorance does not mean stupid. Those are not synonymous. They are two different things. Ignorance is only having a lack of knowledge. But if you refuse to gain that knowledge and gain information and seek truth, and you continue to do the same wrong things or erroneous things, not necessarily the wrong, but they're just for the applicable time, they're erroneous, and you keep doing it over and over and over again, and that tends to lead into the realm of stupidity. Because generally when people do that, they wonder why it's not correcting itself when they keep applying the same wrong device or tool or reasoning and it doesn't get corrected, then that tends to lean into the realm of stupidity. So brothers and sisters, remember these things. Remember the word that I share is because I am a conduit. I'm simply a conduit that God uses to put out these things. I am about my father's business. This is not my business. I have not made it a business to be Raven's Nest anchored in the word. That's not me. That's just simply a title for the platform that they needed and required. I make nothing from this, brothers and sisters. And they asked me if I wanted sponsorship and by sponsorship I could get paid because the sponsors to be put on this would, be, would pay me to allow that to take place. Well, I refuse to do that, brothers and sisters, because this is a gift that was given to me of God and I prayed about that, if that is an allowable thing. I'm, a, I'm getting to be an older guy, and, I, <laughs> and I'm still working because of things that I did that were now the consequences that I'm reaping, but that's not a bad thing. God is allowing me to make contacts, and brothers and sisters, wow, it's an awesome, pretty cool thing. But I don't do the sponsorship because this was a gift. And in God gifting it to me, I must gift it to others. 
And that gift is a blessing from God and just merely using me as a conduit. That's all I am, brothers and sisters. I'm a conduit that God pours blessing down and is able to get it out and through. Because he knows and that I like to talk about the word of God. He knows that I will speak the truth. He knows that I am in the word and study his word. He knows all these things, so he's letting me be a conduit to share his treasure. The treasure is the word of God, brothers and sisters. Open it. Look at the gold and the gems and all the things that are in there. But not only is it a treasury within God's Bible, his instruction manual for our life, it is also the Legos. Some people call it Logos, Logos. Pronunciation is perception. But it contains harema, the swords that can be drawn and used. It is our armory. It's our instruction manual. It's God's treasury. Just have to open it, be in it. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people that will sit back and... Uh, the declaration that, oh, we don't have to fight. We don't have to do anything. You know, God, the victory is ours and yada, yada, yada. But here's the thing. We are in a spiritual battle. So if you're going to sit back in your easy chair and just be an armchair Christian and you're going to be complacent, slothful, lazy, not do anything. Yeah, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to, oh my gosh. It just, Look, the Bible, these are those individuals that are the cultural Christians, the secular Christians, or the SpongeBob Christians. If you get in the Word, you will see, and the Word tells us that we are in a spiritual warfare. Why do you think that God even made us the armor? Why do you think he even provides that for us? Because we're just going to sit back in the armchair and everything's going to be hunky-dory and okay? No. We are in a spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters, and they come at us all the time. So there are times that we are going to be in constant turmoil and battle. Big battles and things where it comes to uh, things that are really going to get physical and all things. God is, God is there. The Holy Spirit is going to prevent. But we all have to fight against the enemy, the minions, they'd come, constantly come. We got to wrestle and fight them, fight them off. It's a spiritual warfare that we're in, brothers and sisters. That means we have to have the spiritual tools in order to be able to fend them off. Spiritual hearing, spiritual sight, the breastplates of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and be shod in the preparation of the, of the word of God. And carry that as our sword, that we will be ready to fend them off. Jesus Christ did that very thing when the devil tempted him and took him up on the temple and took him all these and threw these temptations at him. And Jesus Christ said, It is written, it is written, it is written. Three times that Jesus Christ recited from the Word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written. And then Satan was like, man, I'm, I'm done here. I'm done. And off he went. And then what did, what did Satan do? He infected the hearts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. 
He got into their heart and their mindset, knowing that they were an arrogant individuals. And he took and he went at them. And he planted the seeds of weeds. And they took root. And they, they grew. And they became very arrogant. Well, they were probably arrogant for a long time, but it pushed it even more so. Because every time that Jesus came and he shared his word and of truth and he taught and he healed, they came and they tried to say, oh my gosh, you did this on the Sabbath day. And one of the finest examples he, he took when they tried to pull that stunt on him is he said, how many of you? And they didn't have things and they owned property and they had animals. He said, how many of you on the Sabbath day, if your ox or your ass fell into a pit that you would not draw it out on the Sabbath day? And they couldn't answer him. Why? Because they'd probably go out and do the very thing he was talking about. But it was okay for them to point their finger at everyone else about it, but yet they would do it. See, that's arrogance. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't follow my example. You just do what I tell you to do. That's arrogance. Brothers and sisters, remember the truth. Remember the word. Seek the word of God. That's what we need to be remembering. And these other things, remembrance as a veteran American citizen and a patriot of this country, those things kind of stick with me, and they do. I do remember Benghazi. I do remember 9-11. I remember when all those things stirred up and got things going on. And I see these things over here, but you know, at the same time, I pray for the elected officials that were involved in these things. I do, brothers and sisters, because that's what we're told to do. Pray for the kings and the princes so that they might have good knowledge and lead wisely. And so many are not now. They're allowing their arrogance to march ahead. So, brothers and sisters, I share that with you because, biblically speaking, kings and princes is Bible speech for presidents and governors and mayors. Although there are countries that do have kings and princes. But when the Bible talks about applying that in this nation here, that we're talking about presidents and their princes and governors and mayors, we need to pray for all of them. Some of them are really good. Some of them still like to pray. Some of them still believe in God. And some of them do so regularly. And then there are those that have allowed themselves to be vaunted above everyone else and that no matter what is said, their word is it. We must pray for them. Remember to keep everyone in prayer. Everyone in prayer. Not just brothers and sisters. Those are our brothers and sisters too. They've just erred and gone down a wrong path. But those are brothers and sisters of ours as well. Don't hate them to the point that you don't pray over them all the time. We are told that we pray one for another. That does not mean just the brethren. That means one for another, everyone. And I do so. I do so. Every day on my going out, my coming in. 
our pastors and elders in the church, we have to pray and keep them upright because they have a special position. We must pray for them, keep them up. We are told that those individuals are there for a reason. And there are some that have turned their back and they're doing it for money-making purposes. We still have to pray for them. They can repent. Brothers and sisters, I love you. You have a good day. Don't forget things that God has brought us through. Look back in remembrance to what God is, was, and will be. That's what we look back to and hold on to that. Hold on to the truth and the righteous right hand of God in strength. Have a blessed day. I got to get going to church.